Welcome to the Business Design Podcast. Uh, we're coming to you from our brand new studio on Mars. And I'm Randy Baker. <laughs> well, you're not listening. I'm Dr. Ken. And, well, so we're on Mars, maybe. Um, but really, we've got, we've tapped into um, Brian Felchuk, who is in Boston, and he's wicked smart when it comes to insurance. Wicked smart. Yeah, <laughs> wicked smart. And it's fun. We, we talked about, you know, uh, what insurance would look like if we were if we were uh, catapulting through space. Brian definitely, you know, tickled my interest a little bit. And insurance uh, generally doesn't do that for me. So for all you folks who thought that insurance was boring, here's an opportunity to discover what lights an insurance guy is fired. And he talks about foaming at the mouth. That part's good. So here's yeah. Brian Falter. Nice to see you, Brian. You too. What kind of coffee did you have this morning? Are you not a coffee drinker? I am. Two cups. <laughs> um, what type? That's a good question. It was uh, the one that was on sale this time, but generally something light roast and then uh, mushroom coffee. This company called Four Sigmatic. It's like kind of half and half of them. Yeah. I don't know if it makes a difference, but in my head it does. So, <laughs> and I've, and I've heard that light roast is actually really jacked up on caffeine, kind of ironically. I hope uh, so. It's sort of the opposite of like <laughs> light, yeah. light everything else. Uh, yeah. The cold brew I have is dark roast, but the hot brew is, yeah. I average everything out and it's all medium. Nice. So tell me about the light bulb behind your head because the, the listeners, of course, can't see you and there's this this shiny example of a light bulb with a, with a lock on it. Yeah. So the, the shield and lock in the middle represent insurance and the light bulb is about ideas, kind of universal, uh, icon for ideas. And it, it is the coming together of those two things. So my, uh, my day job world has been in the insurance industry for a couple decades. And, uh, my work these days is really just focused on trying to help the industry move forward. Um, it's fashionable to call insurance boring and all that. And, Sure, to the average person it might be, but it's also super important. You know, we're, we're here for like the worst things people ever face in their lives. Uh, and if we don't change and do better and continue to challenge ourselves, then, you know, those worst moments only get worse than they already are. So I'm, I'm pretty committed to trying to help the industry continue to evolve and do better. So it does sound boring, uh, <laughs> the way you put it. Uh, and Thanks. it is kind of boring, which is sort of what, what, insurance is i mean insurance is boring because it, it doesn't put you into hot water right but what what do you find sort of more like the light bulb kind of hot and interesting and sexy about insurance so it's an interesting way of using boring i hadn't thought about that but yeah that's a good outcome right the best outcome is nothing which is i guess not exciting but for the industry itself there's a lot of change afoot there's a there's been a, a real influx of startup activity and venture capital funds that have frankly like created a number of really neat new ways of looking at things that can change the way insurance is created and delivered. And, you know, for anyone who's had a claim during the pandemic, you were the direct beneficiary of a lot of these changes. Cause the, the way we had been doing things was like, Oh, look, we can't do anything for you. We can't come fix your car. We can't inspect your house. We can't anything because people can't be around each other, you know, especially in those early days of lockdown. Whereas now we have things like, you know, you can use your phone and, and, walk around your car and take a video and it'll not just send that to someone sitting wherever at a desk, which in and of itself is, 
an innovation for the industry, although it may not sound like that to most people, but it can adjust the damage to your car right there on your phone. So you sort of become the person solving your own problem, which uh, actually is, is really empowering. Like you could say, well, I paid you to do that. Why aren't you doing that for me? It's like, personally, I'd love to be able to, like we got rear-ended a few years ago. I wish I could have just, you know, moved my phone around the back of my car and that was that and got a check. Instead, you know, went through this whole process and waited for people to take the car away and all that. And I wish I could have done it myself. That would have been so much easier. So insurance is really interesting to me. Um, I'm not passionate about it as you are, but <laughs> that's okay. You're normal. Yeah, you know, I, I I pay my car insurance, and then I have a an accident, and then my premiums go up the next year. And yeah. everybody hates insurance companies because I, I was rear-ended a little while back, and um, my car was totaled from a rear end. Yeah, it was a, it was a big one. And I was fortunate because the insurance company made an offer that was more than reasonable, so I was Good. very happy. Yeah. Um, but we hear all these horror stories of having to negotiate with insurance companies to get what value it was. Yeah. So insurance is there to, I guess people don't understand the purpose of insurance. Insurance is there to basically mitigate the financial cost of something bad happening. Yeah. Where is it going? If that's If that's the case how can we find innovation or new ideas in yeah. the process so there's a number of things on the the delivery of it that are being innovated today like like this claims example we just talked about and i hope you're okay from from your accident and that's great that you got a fair settlement there's other innovations on things like that where better information is being fed into models to try to come to the right number faster because what what isn't good for either side, you know, the, the insured or the third party, you know, maybe it wasn't your insurance, it was a person who hit you's insurance, or the insurance companies is if you're all going back and forth for weeks, that's not great. You're not happy, uh, it doesn't get you back where you need to be, and it wastes money for the insurance company. So a better thing for them is, instead of trying to haggle to get you to say 18,000 when the right number was 18,500, it would be to come to you with 18,500 from the start, you know, and, and just get that done and move on. So, you know, intelligence in the decision making, that's another piece of it. But the product itself, the, the coverage, that's also being innovated right now and challenged in, in new ways of thinking about it. So, for example, can't get around the gig economy, like buzzword that's that's out there for sure. That's changed the way a lot of people work. And especially in the pandemic, suddenly all these people who found the way that they had been earning a living to be challenged were looking to new ways to do things. So lots of new businesses started up in the pandemic, actually a record from the Small Business Administration. So you think about how the economy works. If you're a gig worker or, you know, you're, say, a wedding photographer, you don't need to buy an annual policy. Like, do you need to pay a couple thousand dollars to have coverage for an entire year when you have a day job? And this is just a side thing. And it's, you know, it's now and then you probably need coverage like for the next four hours or whatever. You know, you're, you just need it when you're doing it. There's actually no ability historically to provide coverage like that legally. Because the regulations stipulate it has to be a 12-month policy. They even go down to like from 12 p.m. midnight, uh, 12 a.m. midnight to 12.01 or 12.01 to 12 midnight, 365 days later, except in a leap year. They're that specific. So this notion of like switch coverage on and off couldn't be done. And even if it could. So actually, yeah. isn't it, isn't that less than a year then? So it's uh, the first minute of the start of the one-year period through to the end of that period. So if if you get hurt at twelve o'clock in ten seconds, yeah, it wouldn't be covered. 
it would probably still be covered because it doesn't go into the seconds and you uh, courts will always find in the side of the consumer. Um, but but theoretically, yeah, theoretically, you're not covered. You would be covered because the clock hadn't changed to 1201 if it really got down to that. But there's there's no no one's tracking the seconds on it. But a yeah, fair point. But look, Ken, even the fact that you had to say that is like, this is what's wrong. Right. And the reality is like, well, your phone knows when you're driving for Uber or not, if you're an Uber driver or going to the airport or, and getting on that plane or not. Like, why are we having to buy these blanket policies that cover all these things we don't need? I don't understand most of it. A lot of the coverage, like people find in their homeowners, there's a startup called Hippo that's that's put out a different kind of homeowners product because they looked in the standard homeowners policy that everyone uses covers things like gold bullion and fur. It's like, who has gold bullion? Like some people do, I'm sure. But the majority of people have computers and stereos and things like that that actually may not be covered. So trying to recognize like what is being covered today and the ways it's being done is stuck in a time when like that's not how we live anymore. So people are trying to find ways to do things that actually speak to the nature of the risks we all have and the exposures we have today rather than like, well, it's been this way since the 1950s just pay your premium and move on and don't care about it. But that's, that's not like what else in your life works like that? The things that do don't survive anymore. And so there's, there's a really interesting movement to actually change the product and the delivery of it and the way you buy it, or you don't even buy it. It just happens. It's just built into things. Um, so, so some really cool things that I think a better align insurance to the way we live, then maybe people will care more and will understand what they're buying instead of just being like, oh, I paid all this money for nothing and I hate it. And I know if something goes wrong, they're going to be difficult. That's the way most people think about it today. So I was, I was about to actually go there. So it's cool. You beat me to it. So yeah, the, go for the, it. oh, and also I, I do have vegetable bu- bullion uh, in my house. Oh, but not your covered. gold kind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> That was a bad joke. That was awesome. No one ever brings uh, that up. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Same word. Really weird. Yeah. It makes yeah. me want to Google it. So insurance seems to be this strange beast that you're stupid not to have it because then the, the emergencies come up. So, I, you know, I'm a pro insurance guy. No, no doubt. You know, give me the load me up with the best insurance. But yeah, there's still that ick factor of like, did I really need that? And 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 oh, the insurance company beat me on this one, right? Oh, yeah, guess my insurance guy, right? Yeah. Or, or oh, guess they're making you know money off of me, right? So and then and then you hear about the life insurance guys who are kind of brokers, right? And they're 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 really trying to make some money off you. And then you go into the financial industry. So this whole impression of insurance as kind of um you know sort of like money changers right there's almost this like creepiness to it but the way you're talking about it is interesting because it's almost like what i would talk about around the kitchen table wouldn't it be better if if you'd just be insured for four hours or this and that yeah so what power do you have and how malleable is the industry um so the power i have is really just in conversations so you know can i sit down with I, i spend a lot of my time with some of these startups that are coming up with the solutions or the products or um, like one of the books I put out uh, this year is case studies of startup insurance companies that are doing really interesting things. A lot of them on the product side, but some, the product is, is the same as it ever was, but the way that you get it, the way that it, you're interacting with it, the way they're delivering service is totally rethought. For another one, looks and feels pretty similar. It's a lot easier to buy, 
but their whole capital structure behind the scenes, and this is getting super insurance nerdy, um, is totally different, highly disruptive to the way insurance is funded and can yield humongous savings. So like 40, 60% off, which is like a game changer. So you're going to pay a thousand dollars for your auto industry, your auto coverage or 450. Like, what do you want? Well, obviously I want the 450, but like for like coverage. And you just answered three questions to get it instead of like three up front. And then they showed you a teaser price and then you had to click through and answered 18 more questions and didn't understand what you were choosing or whatever. And now the price is five times that little, like, you know, coverage from $600 a year. And you get in, it's like, wait, why are you quoting me 1800? I literally just went through that the other day with some coverage from a, a company I was trying to show there you know, their new, like their new website. I'm like, Oh, it's great. You have just under 20 questions. These guys ask you name, address, and phone number or email address you pick. And that's it. How, how are you being competitive now? So things like that are really interesting and trying to help and support how those companies navigate the industry. That's part of what I do. The other is working with the folks who have been here for 100, 200, 300 years to try to say, you know, that's great. You've done a great job and the world is different. And you know that because you've lived through it too. So how can you navigate that? And to say, well, you know, we're going to need 18 months to look at this. And Rip Van, Rip Van Winkle, right? With the really long beards sleeping yeah. under the tree. Yeah. Helping them not just to think about the problem, but then to execute against it. Because that's really hard. It's like, well, you know, we're going to have a meeting and then a meeting about the meeting. And then these other people. And it's like you got 25 people around a table. No one knows who's in charge of what's going on. And every meeting, there's different people. So you're kind of always starting from scratch. And Randy loves meetings. Yeah. I, you, well, yeah. Awesome. We should meet about that. Yeah. A, a startup founder said to me the other day, or I had her on my podcast and uh, she left with this advice. She's like, for the person who's got this idea to make things better, go after your idea. I wish I'd done it sooner. She's like, the world does not need you to sit in another meeting today. The world needs you to bring your idea to help it be better. I was like, yeah, exactly. Like that is what we're doing. We're just sitting in meetings all the time. So kind of helping to see how you do that. It's, it's fine to just kind of be like, oh, you can do better. But um, it's a lot different to figure out how to do better, uh, especially if you have like 40,000 employees, um, you yeah. know, and, and you're public and like, how do you navigate that? It's actually the culture side is the real tech change. It's not about like by this tech or that tech. It's how you move the organization. So, Brian, I want to take you back to um, grade two when you're sitting in the classroom and Mrs. Smith's up front saying to everybody, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I can yeah. just imagine Brian stands up and says, I want to change the whole freaking insurance industry. <laughs> Is that what you would have said? I think I said, uh, and I, I'm not sure if I knew what this even meant, but I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. Oh, and nice. uh, yeah, I used to draw like what I thought could be like a next generation of airplane and, and flying cars and things like that. Cause I'm a car nut and I was a little boy. And so that's what I did. Yeah. So it didn't, I guess you need to ensure those things. So roundabout, that's, that's the connection. So that becomes an interesting journey. I mean, did you, did you become interested in insurance because of your no, cars? No, and <laughs> I did really poorly in physics class. So that was part of the, part of the issue. But uh, a lot of people in insurance will tell you the same kind of genesis story for their insurance career. And it's, I got into insurance by accident, which is how I got into insurance. I was, I was an econ major. And trying to, to get into a like a management consulting role, and this insurance company had uh, an internal consulting unit, and they had an internship I applied for and and got, and was actually really interested in it. So I was doing work I wanted to do, 
kind of functionally, but in an industry I'd never even considered. And once I got in, I'm someone who really likes fixing things and grabbing opportunity. And I was looking around at this space of mediocrity and uh, I was like foaming at the mouth, like, oh my God, this isn't good. Like all these things are broken. All these things could be better. Let's get at it. So it ended up hooking me in. And, and to be fair, you know, when the bar is kind of in the middle, it's not high or low, it gives you a space to shine. And I was definitely mediocre myself at the time. So like good opportunity for me to, to shine. I'll be honest. I probably, you know, could I have gotten into an investment bank or something? Yeah, probably not. But insurance, like I could get in there. And then once I got in, I was pretty blown away. And um, I really found myself thriving. And kind of next thing I knew, I was I was an insurance guy without, you know, planning it that way. Uh, and there's a lot of people who have very similar stories like that. You know, it's a stable job and you always have insurance. It's like death and taxes. So, you know, I wanted to be able to provide for my family. All that stuff comes out. But um, I actually admittedly found it really interesting and found a lot of chance and, and opportunity in it, which is neat. Aeronautical engineering, fascinating area to work in. I was involved in the space industry for 16 years and oh, wow. all of my colleagues were aeronautical engineers in one form or another. And that got me to thinking just recently. I mean, SpaceX has just launched people into orbit. They've orbited yeah. tourists orbiting the Earth. Branson has sent tourists to suborbital space. Um, Musk is talking about sending people to Mars. Is the life insurance or life assurance industry going to catch up with interstellar travel and insure people going to Mars? It's going to have to. It won't have to just yet. You know, when it's just these few billionaires, that's irrelevant. Um, and frankly, there isn't enough life insurance that a life insurer is going to sell that would matter for them anyway. But at some point, you know, it's like flying cars. Like, do we need to worry about that today when everyone's flying around in shared pods and there is no personal auto insurance anymore? No. Um, I don't know when it'll happen, but it will happen at some point. Maybe it's 200 years out or 50 or eight. I have no clue. Same thing with interstellar travel. It'll get there, but it's until it's, it's a, at least less for just billionaires or these random people that they pick in the lottery. I don't think we're going to need to worry about that just yet, but you better be thinking about it. And that's the point. A lot of this stuff is like, when I hear people like, Oh, you know, we have so many years, or we have so much money in the bank. We, we, when we get to that problem, we'll deal with it. Gas is always running out of the tank in your ability to respond to something. And so the time to do it is today uh, when it's a non-issue, start to start to experiment, start to plant seeds, start, you know, put some corporate venture capital money into some of these things so you can see them firsthand play around to understand it before it's already the market reality and then you're on your back foot. And that's the way we've tended to do things. That's not how you get anything done. Back in, I'm, I'm switching around, I'm jumping around a bit today. Um, back in March, February of this year, living in Texas, the whole of Texas got covered with snow. Yeah. Um, we lovingly call it the event Snowed here in, in Texas. And my house has a, a sprinkler system in the ceiling, fire sprinkler. I don't like it, where this is going. It burst. Yeah. And at oh, five o'clock in the morning, I got a, a stream of water, freezing cold, freezing water. cold yeah. water on my face, woke me up. Oh my God. And so what, what, what did I do next? I grabbed my insurance policy after I stopped the water running. <laughs> I was out in my bare feet and pajamas trying to shovel snow, looking for water cutoffs, which was actually in the house. So that was another story. And I discovered when I looked at the insurance policy that if I had 
my heating on in the house, the burst sprinkler system would have been covered by insurance and all the damage from it. Yeah. Not a problem. Except that my heating system had frozen up and wasn't working either. So yeah. the whole story, it, it all was fine. It all worked out. But people get very disturbed by insurance because they don't understand what their role is and what insurance companies' role is yeah. and what makes a claim payable or not. So a lot of people during that snowboard event made claims that insurance companies denied. How do we educate people better to, to read the policies? I guess that's the question. Well, so I think that's a piece of the question. I think the problem is education only gets you so far when the core product is still confusing and has new, you know, people calling like, if this happens, will I be covered? And the answer is always maybe, because there's so many other things that come in, like, was it a 1201-01, right? To, uh, to Kent's earlier question. These things are, are really complex and Part of it is education. Part of it is simplifying the product where you can. Part of it is simplifying how you talk about it where you can. But I think actually there's a need to rethink some of the, the products themselves. And so, for example, on something like that, there's an interesting concept called parametric insurance, which basically pays out when a trigger is met and the trigger is independently verifiable. So, for example, uh, um, this really cool company out in California has an earthquake parametric coverage. The government automatically sets like you're in these red uh, shaking zones. So it, it happens automatically when when there's a quake, you know if your house is in there or not, it's public data, um, it's irrefutable. So it's, you know, by area, whatever. If you have a policy and you're in that zone, they automatically send you a text. They say, are you okay? Do you need, uh, and there's pre-stipulated amounts of money that you have access to based on what you pay. So you pay 20 bucks a month, you get a $10,000 just cash if you're in one of these shake zones. You might say, you know, we're fine. Or you might say, yeah, I need help. And immediately the money is sent to your bank account. Instant transfer. There's no, well, I'm going to come out and see or well, but you know, you didn't do this or you did that. It's, uh, I remember we had record snowfall and I live in Boston, city of Boston uh, a few years ago, 2014, 15 winter, the city had bought a parametric policy that if there was this much snow or more, they would receive money uh, to offset the cost of plowing. So that was, they were hedging their bets that, you know, they're going to cover it for a certain point and they're going to pay money to buy this policy that if it's really so bad, uh, which would potentially bankrupt the city, they'll have protection against it. And sure enough, that policy paid out. So they paid for that insurance. You know, if there was less snow, it would have been a waste, but it actually saved the city then. And we had a hundred and I don't even remember 118 or something inches of snow. Um, it's devastating. So these kinds of things, you, you see them in uh, tornado and, and hurricane as well in other spaces where there's some way to know, and maybe it's with the sensor. We detected water in your basement, instantly money just goes to you. Uh, and there isn't like, well, you know, did you have your heating system on or not? Well, I did, but it was frozen. Okay, well, we need to understand why it froze. Was that your fault? And none of that, it just pays. We need to look for opportunities like that. Uh, and that's where rethinking the product, maybe breaking it into components. There, there's a lot of interesting ways to go about that. So it's been really fun chatting with you, Brian. We, we, we like to not bore our audience by going on for more than two or three hours. So we've got about <laughs> an hour and a half to go. Just kidding. But I, I want to kind of wrap up with, with um, so you went to Bowdoin, got an advanced degree at Dartmouth. I mean, high, high level education, super smart guy, end up being mediocre kind of in your own <laughs> words, but you know, but dependable. 
I love the term foaming at the mouth. You said you were foaming yeah. at the mouth looking at the insurance industry. And I love that the, the disruption that literally got you foaming at the mouth to like change things. Yeah. So where are things going and how are you helping and where can folks find out what you're doing and how can they sign up? Thank you. So things are, are going in the right direction because I think COVID and having to respond to it unlocked a lot. Uh, and for some some folks, they're just going back to the way things were. And they're like, well, we did the change we need to do. We're all set now. The vast majority have realized that's not the way it works. The bar is risen and rising still. And they kind of remembered or they realized they can move much faster than they gave themselves credit for. So those kinds of conversations are intensifying, which is great for the industry and great for you know, people like Randy, it sounds like you've had lots of claims over this, uh, this COVID period. So, um, you know, for people in your situation, and, and you sounds like ultimately had smooth experiences, or they worked out in the end, but for a lot of people, they don't feel that way about it. So, you know, better outcomes for more people is, is the goal. So I think that's really critical. You know, I'm, uh, <laughs> someone said I'm ubiquitous, like I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, I'm at lots of the different industry events, um, speaking and, and moderating things like that. So you can always find me there or uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way to get a hold of me or at insurance-evolution.com. It's my business website and you can link to my book series, The Future of Insurance and podcast and thought leadership and all that kind of fun stuff from there. Fantastic. It's been really fun to get to know you and um, I didn't yawn once. This awesome. was a good outcome. Talking good. about insurance and, and getting excited. Um, I feel like I could talk for for that extra hour and a half about this. Cool. It, it was fun. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Brian. That was extremely entertaining, particularly the part about insuring people with interstellar travel plans. I could just imagine the, the cost of weather delays <laughs> and being able to insure against that or being able to insure against being hit by a meteorite as you're, as you're taking off. Crazy ideas, but the insurance industry has to move forward with the rest of the world. I was, I was thinking more about like Richard Branson's wife in case that trip went weird. In any case, uh, <laughs> I think that would put any, that any insurance company out of business. <laughs> right? It just went weird. So. Yeah. Oh, Randy, actually, would you go into space if you had a chance right now? A hundred percent, yes. Really? Yeah. Wouldn't even question it. Oh, wow. We are truly different. So if you find yourself wanting to, you know, jump off the ground and then be swept into space by um, an interplanetary gust of wind, go to thoughtpartnergroup.com. And you'll find a little assessment up there. You can fill that in. That will tell you whether you can be, whether you're visible from Mars or whether you need a new strategy. Well, we'll, we'll take a look at it and let you know. If you're a little bit wacky, go to crazymba.com and um, click on the button, pay your dollar, and uh, we'll see you there. Yeah, that, that one's not going to break the bank. Well, just your piggy bank or your kid's piggy bank. It's even better.